Good morning. Good morning, good afternoon, good day, wherever in the world you might be. Welcome to the Sage and Guide podcast. Here in the Sage and Guide podcast, we bring you conversations and presentations to unleash personal authenticity and influence excellence onto others. Today on the Sage and Guide podcast, I have an extremely powerful human being from the Philippines. He doesn't look Filipino, but he is absolutely a two-liner Pinoy. And Paul Lazo, my friend Paul Angelo Lazo, a trainer, a consultant with an IT background, correct me about that, Paul, is here to talk to us about leadership or leadership communications and non-verbal communications. That is, what kind of impact does do leaders have when they're not saying when they are not uttering? So Paul Lazo, Paul Lazo, welcome to the Sage and Guide podcast. And if I missed out uh, saying anything about you, please take a minute to introduce yourself. Thank you, Razu. First, I'm not really into IT. <laughs> I did work for an IT talking. company. I did. Yeah. But I'm not really into IT. Uh, my math isn't good enough, if you want to say. Yeah. But, you know, very briefly, my standard intro is uh, I've started work in 1985. I've been working ever since. And I've been up and down the ladder. I've been a CEO twice for some very small companies. Uh, I've fired people for the right reasons. I've fired people for the wrong reasons. I've been fired for the right reasons. And I've been fired for the wrong reasons. I, I've I've been through it all, okay, and through all of that, I also raised four kids, mm-hmm. four daughters. So you know how many women I live with, <laughs> and so my patience is one of my virtues. <laughs> it might be a big virtue, <laughs> but that's me. So in short, I bring all of that. And recently, in my before. Uh, the COVID situation, I was running about a thousand hours of leadership training a year, which is a lot. But it also gave me a certain maybe breadth and depth because I saw so many different organizations uh, in terms of both local and foreign. Sizes were all different, different industries. So I could see the problems and especially leadership because leadership is actually, it has a common, common denominator you can move it to any organization and pretty much it's going to talk about the same things, but you always see it from a different angle. So it really makes your view very, very wide, if you want to say, and very deep yeah. at the same time. Yeah. So uh, that's me. Okay. Uh, do I go ahead with just leadership communication? No, 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 no. I mean, that's okay. A thousand hours a year is a lot. I wonder how many days a week that made, but regardless, I think I'll do the math later. So, uh, Paul, uh, let's talk about putting across, making a statement while not even saying a word. Let's talk about non-verbal communication. Give me an insight into the power behind it. Let's start first with some very basics about communication. Firstly, and this is from my experience, communicating well is difficult. It's not easy. It reached the point where usually when I communicate, I already start with a thinking that I will probably miscommunicate. Okay, that's okay. my that that's my beginning. Well, I'll grab a line from a movie, Men in Black One, 
uh, when Tommy Lee Jones was talking to Will Smith, he goes, you know, when I talk to Raj, he's smart, but when you talk to people, they're stupid. Now, I'm not saying people are stupid, but just try giving instructions to 10 people and how many different versions will you have? <laughs> okay. Worse, if you're trying to give instructions to your whole organization, and you know it's it's very difficult to communicate effectively and and communicate well mm -hmm. and there is a physiological reason behind it neuroscientists will tell you that for any single input that the brain receives there are actually 13 trillion different ways that that input can travel in your brain so what does that well, mean well, let me let me let me let me chew chew on that so <laughs> So if I see a picture, yes, a monochrome black and white picture, yep. Apple, all right, not too confusing a picture. Are you saying that it sparks off 13,000 synapses inside my head? Actually, it's 13 trillion. Th 13 trillion. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. I have no idea how many zeros there are to a trillion. There are too many so, to count. Okay. So wait, you're saying one image input into my head, yeah. 13 trillion sparks. Yes, the trap to make the message move. And that includes everything in terms of the chemicals that are chosen, which pathways it takes. <clears throat> so literally, the chances of any two people understanding you exactly the same way is probably zero. Okay. <laughs> this is this is a massive insight for um, sounds credible. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It does sound credible. It does sound positive, given that we have billions of cells inside our head, and right. obviously, in a few seconds, they could have so many more permutations and combinations. Amazing. Right. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> given that amount of <clears throat> options. What are the chances of you and me seeing eye to eye? That's what he Very low, okay. practically zero. Okay. Right. And it doesn't take much to look at this. You can just look at your sibling. You grew up in the same house with the same parents, ate the same food, went to the same school, did the same games, but yet one of them is a glass half empty, the other one's a glass half full. Why? Okay. Because because of the different permutations and combinations. Yes, exactly. Just right. to give you an idea how big 13 trillion is, that's actually more stars than there are in our galaxy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so it's, really, it's really an incredible number. And when you look at it, really the chances of, especially when you're addressing people, yeah. it's really challenging that they will all read you the same way right so okay. when you start with an assumption that i will probably miscommunicate and that's your cornerstone of starting a conversation that mm -hmm. i will probably not be able to put across that's the kind of assumption you start with yes and how Especially. does that serve you how does that serve you you know it has served me very well uh, the most common feedback I get when I train is Paul explains things very clearly. Uh, you know, that, that's the most common common thing I get. No, but that's that's somebody else's point of view. Uh -huh. How does it serve you to be able to think better and then uh, enhance 
the transfer of what you are putting across. How does that personally still be? Not the results of it. Mm-hmm. The biggest, yeah. uh, the, maybe the biggest service it does for me is yeah. it helps me think that I am wrong. Wow. Okay, so if you're a leader, and and come on, leaders, especially the, the ones who've built their success, sometimes their ego puts them in a box and makes them, I'm always right. So if you, but you're starting with the presumption that I'm, I'll be misunderstood, that means you're wrong. And one of the, uh, one of the challenges all leaders face, and this is also partly not so much communication, but a leader today has to be able to hold several points of view in their head without thinking one is right. That I absolutely okay. I am still um, trying to chew the fact that should I start with an assumption that uh, this empowers me? or demotivates me even before I utter a word? Or should I start with the assumption that I have good intentions, I have enough confidence, and what I want to put across will help my listener or listeners? That kind of assumption I start When it comes to assumptions, I used to challenge myself to not start with an assumption. But I found that almost impossible. (laughs) so what i did was i said okay i'll start with an assumption but given what i'm seeing and what's happening can i change it okay uh for example um when we look at let's say making a judgment about a person or an event yeah physiologically (laughs) i think that we are born to judge because we have to judge in terms of saving our lives i don't doubt that Okay. Now, the tricky part is this. Given information that's showing otherwise, can you change your judgment or at least suspend it? But chances are you'll judge. Okay. In fact, I think you will. Yeah. So you're not trying to stop the judgment, but, you know, I made a judgment and then you look, oh, gosh, you know, Paul's looks like he's in a bat cave. Maybe some, you know, crazy guy who likes to hide away in, you know, dark places. Uh, That's fine. But then when you listen to Paul talk, maybe he's a sunny and happy guy. That's also fine. But the point is you made a judgment, but then when you look at the information in front of you, can you say, oh, no, it's something else? Right. Okay, Okay. So So to be able to flex, to be able to flip, to be able to switch towards, that's step two. Right. Yeah. I mean, as, as you said, and I seconded it, that we do need to make an assessment. We do need to make some kind of a judgment. We don't have to be judgmental, but right. we do have to assess and kind of, you know, take in the scenario and maybe then interpret it and move forward. So uh, that would be step two to flex according to what I interpret or what I see will be beneficial to me, to the party, of course, or to everyone in the room or in the ambience of mine, you know? Yeah? Yeah. That will be step two. But um, again, starting negative, starting with the thought that I will fail. Um, So you're saying that it makes you more flexible. It allows you to flex right away. Well, start, start with the assumption that I might go. Let's put it this way. Um, 
Sir Francis Bacon. Mm-hmm. He said, he has a beautiful quote, which really struck me when I read it. He goes, when you start with a doubt, you'll end with certainty. But when you start with certainty, you'll end up with a doubt. Okay, and I'm sure you've experienced this. You're sure of something and then, oh, it didn't work out and you start doubting yourself. Or you doubt yourself at the beginning and then you work towards certainty. Okay, uh, I, I mean, there seems to be some amount of wisdom in that fact that if you start with expecting nothing and then something turns up and you get thrilled that, hey, I wasn't expecting myself to go or to be able to get across, mm-hmm. but here I go and things are moving. Right. So, I and, mean, start with lesser expectations. Huh? Right. So it's not so much uh, lesser expectations. Maybe, the, um, how can I put this? Uh, Stephen Covey, and I adopted his quote. He goes, it's about problems. And he goes, if you think the problem is out there, that very thought is the problem. Okay. okay. Yeah. I just transferred it to leadership. And I said, if you think you're the leader, that very thought is the problem. Okay, from that perspective, I totally get okay. it. And I totally get yeah. So that, yeah, that I agree. Nice. And admittedly, this came with my with my age. Okay. <laughs> if you asked me 10 years ago, I'd have probably given you a different answer. <laughs> okay. It's amazing. All right. So it's it's it's, it's quite an insight uh, when I think about it that way. That if I start with an assumption that I am bound to be right, and then I don't open up to being correct. Right. The idea is that you have to you have to understand that be open to what comes out because you you might be wrong. Right. Okay. You might dead wrong on things, especially today. My goodness. Today, as in, like in this session, or today before? No, and, and today the whole the whole situation, was happening, and and uh, you know, I think in our discussion before this, systems that we relied on suddenly just broke overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you supposed to do now? You're the leader. I was having a conversation with a company, and they were, and this was in the early stages of the pandemic, and they were saying, you know. Our early statistics showed that for every 10 inquiries, we would close three sales. That's what they said. Mm. I said, you know, even if you reduce that to one sale, how come we can't even close one sale? And I said, Mm. you know, I can understand that, but you have to keep in mind that that was based on data and events then. All of that was wiped out. So you can't count on anything. (laughs) So you can't make any assumptions here. Zero. Mm. (laughs) Okay. So th- we had, you know, th- that's 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 where that comes in use. And, and today, even with the technology coming around the corner, we don't know it's going to break, but I have the feeling it's going to break very quickly. Okay, so... So, so uh, let's, let's retract a bit, Paul. Uh, 13 trillion synapses <laughs> with yes. one input. And let's say I buy that. Yeah, I don't know whether data comes from, but I'm assuming since you're handing it to me, it must come from a credible resource. Now, knowing this, right, also, and starting with the assumption that I'm open to correct my way, how does non-verbal communication slice in? How does it sneak in here? 
what do I have to do about my nonverbal communication to uh, be able to manage the 13 trillion synapses and the fact that I might go off track? What do I do? I mean, what do I do with this? My hands, my face, my knees, my heads, my shoulders. Uh, let's again go to a very famous study by Albert Marabian. I'm sure you know this one where when he looked at communication, he said there are three uh, components. There's yeah. the physical component, there's the tone yeah. of your voice, and the words you choose. And mm -hmm. then he assigned percentages to them. Correct. Now, a lot of people get bogged down with the percentages, which is yeah. not the point. Absolutely, I agree with that. Okay. That's not the point, yeah. The point is, all three of them have to be facing the same direction. They have to be pointing in the same way. Mm -hmm. If there's a slight misalignment, it is noticeable. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. I buy that. Okay. Now, as a leader, in Moravian study, he pointed out that the physical communication is the largest component. Mm -hmm. And some people argue that, you know, it isn't. But my point is this. If you think about the communication process, the way I understand it is first you have an emotion. Mm -hmm. Then you say, like, for example, now I said, oh, gosh. Raj asked me a question, so I get an emotion of some kind, and then I'll say, okay, here's what I'm going to tell Raj. But we have to keep in mind that once you have that emotion, your body will respond to it first before you say anything. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when it comes to customer service, what do they say? Mm. I can see your smile on the phone. Correct. When you smile, your voice changes. Mm. A very simple trick I can ask you, Raja, I want you to relax. It's, it's me. I want you to relax in your chair, go down like this, stay in that position, completely relax, you know, put your legs straight out. And I tell you, I want you to say something, let's say, you know, uh, let's say you want to say something angrily. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. You can't because your position is not designed for anger. Hmm. But how does that work conversely? If you want to change your voice, the quickest way to change it is to change your physical position. Mm. It's the quickest right. way to change it. Right, right. Yeah. When you're approaching, let's say you're going to meet the chairman of some huge company, it's not a time to slouch. Mm -hmm. You'll make an effort to stand straight, you know, look, look dignified and all of that. So yeah. your voice also projects the same thing. Mm -hmm. So... As a leader, if you're very conscious of how you appear and you're in a sticky moment, you will freeze. It's the safest thing to do. If you watch strong leaders in an organization, when they're in a meeting and the meeting gets heated, the strong leader is sitting at the end of the table doing absolutely nothing. He's just observing. Correct. Because he knows that any movement might be a, a giveaway. Mm. I agree and with that. I totally agree with that. Uh, so to uh, kind of add to what you said about your body reacting first, uh, here's what I know is that when a question is asked of you or any input is required on your part, whether a question was asked of you or not, but people turn around, pause, and waited for Paul and Lazo to speak up. Paul Lasso has a thought. <clears throat> and the thought is rational or logical. And then followed by that, 
and emotion gets attached to it. No? Yeah. So Paul goes through the process of going, this is the right thought, and then an emotion gets attached to it. That's a fact. Emotion gets attached to it. That's a fact. And the second thing is that uh, the reason bodies speak first is there was a research done. There was a study done. I don't know if you came across this where it was called the Las Vegas card game experiment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you heard about it? I've it's, heard the experiment, uh, but I never read the study. Uh, it is, they, they were, a bunch of people were given two packs of cards, a red and a blue. And the red one was flawed. It had certain good cards missing. In right. it, but the number of cards were the same. So when they began to play uh, three cards start or five cards start, over time, uh, without really knowing what's missing, when they were playing with the red deck, which was the flawed one, which was the deck that was set up, right. they, they began to sweat. There were no signs of this is faulty or nobody told them, but every time they played with that game over a certain period of time, uh, they turned cold, their palms turned sweaty, their throats would dry up, and then eventually they moved on to the blues deck without really finding out the rationality behind doing that. So their bodies picked up that data first. And you're right, uh, as I speak now, as you're looking at me speak, even before I, the word comes out of my system, my micro expressions and my gestures give way, create the path, create the first step to what I'm gonna say. And I totally buy that and uh, you're right. So in that case, what you're saying is manage my, physiology first yes if especially if you want to manage your voice yeah. manage your physiology first mm -hmm. it's the quickest way to do it when i work with telemarketers yeah and uh i look at them and they sound like they're not very confident on the phone yeah you ask them okay. to sit up uh actually uh what i do is ask them to put force on the ground Okay, and ask them to lean forward a little bit. Take your mm -hmm. back off the off the back of your chair and right. pretend like you're focusing on something right in front of you and mm -hmm. then start talking. Mm -hmm. Okay, because wow. if you notice, if you watch anyone on the phone who's talking about something in, with intensity, that's the position he has. He's a little forward. He looks like mm -hmm. he's staring at something in front of him and he's mm -hmm. got force on the ground with mm -hmm. his feet and it changes their voice. Amazing, nice one. Okay, so it's really? it's a it's a very simple concept that I said if yeah. we just work it backwards, if the physiology physiology has the greatest impact, then use that to change your voice. <laughs> okay, so yeah. great. So uh, leaders listening in, uh, this is a fabulous tip with uh, the research behind it. Yeah, maybe not uh, validated research, but it is a fact that. Paul and I are talking about something that we have come across experience, and this is a massive, massive trend. Uh, tip. You want to talk to somebody with confidence, even without the visual media, first manage your physiology in your room, even though you're sitting in the dark, all alone. No one's looking at you. Change your visual first, and then your audio will change. Absolutely. The other thing that usually goes with that is your is your mindset. You know, you have to think like like if I want to sound assertive, 
Mm-hmm. I want to imagine I'm in a position of authority. If you combine that with the physiology, you're, but even just the physiology is enough to change your, to change your your voice, your output. Oh, this is a big one by itself, Paul. We could actually sign off from the podcast after this <laughs> discussion. This was fabulous. Okay, now uh, uh, I get it. What else do you want to add for me, for leaders uh, listening and tuning into this? We get this. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely works, and I second it. What the other thing, yeah. the other thing you have to do is communication is two way. If mm-hmm. you see something in the person's physiology that's not adding up, ask him. Wow. Call Very it out. Fine. Very fine. Just ask him. Okay, now the objective here sometimes sometimes you'll get it wrong, but that's not the point. The point yeah. is, if I ask you, I'm telling you that I care. Right. Okay, right. I was having a conversation with one of the leaders in an organization I was working with, hmm. and the conversation was going nowhere. Okay. <laughs> and then I just looked at her and said, you look confused. Sure, you said that? I said that. I told, I told that to her. And you know what she said? Paul, I'm not confused. I'm lost. Confused means I see many targets. I'm lost. I don't see any target. Now, the whole point was, if I never asked that question, how would the conversation have moved forward? Hmm. I got it wrong, yeah. but she came back with the right answer. Now, when you talk to people and you try to call out an emotion they're feeling, chances are they'll tell you how they feel if you got it wrong. Like, I, I, I have a thought about that, Paul. I know I'm hosting you and I should be asking the question as the expert. <laughs> uh, my, my thought here is that when you call out the fact that you look confused, period, it doesn't sound like a question. And perhaps, in my opinion, if you just flip that around and say, is there something that's confusing you rather than you look confused? Because I feel that when you tell someone that you look that way, or this is what you might be thinking, or this is what your state of mind is, sometimes they go defensive. Right. Right, right away. But if you say that, is there something about this conversation that is consuming you, uh, confusing you, then you take away it from attacking their persona or their state of mind to something that they can describe and defend objectively. You know, you make a very, very good point. And the example I gave, we already had been into the conversation for some time. So we were right, quite comfortable right. with each other. So I could call right, it out. Yeah. Okay, great. great I could. Great. The, okay. The rapport levels and the trust levels were very Yes, high. yes. Uh, I'll give you another example where sometimes it can be confusing. Uh, yeah. When it comes to questioning, the use of the word why, they say you want to avoid. I say no, use it correctly. Because mm-hmm. why is I the agree. most powerful question of all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're not going to jump out and say why right away. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it does come across as accusatory. Or if you're not good at saying it in a non-accusatory manner, it will come across as accusatory. It will. Yeah, yeah. But, some, but sometimes you just have to use it because it's the best one to use. Right, right, right. Because the what's in the house will not help sometimes. Right. And then you can just drop a soft why. Yeah. And then, then the people will give you the right reason. But then again, <clears throat> the whole context and the rapport trust levels must yes. be solved. Because must be they, might, they shouldn't land hard. It shouldn't land hard. It should but I'll give like you a that. very I'll give you a very public example of 
uh, the uh, physical communication aspect. And I saw this first with President Bill Clinton. Okay. 1991? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed it first then. Then I noticed it, but I didn't understand its significance until later when I was studying communication and, then, and all of that. And when he talks, he goes like this. A thumbs up? No, a thumb. Oh. He uses a thumb. Okay. Oh, you're right. Obama so did the same thing. Gestures, yeah. Right. Why? Because if I go like this, it's worse. Yeah. So the his coach said, get rid of the finger, use the thumb. Right, right. And it softened the impact. Hmm. Like when okay. I go to you, I yeah. use the thumb instead of <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, well, well that, that's a helpful tip because that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so a thumb is kind of it kind of gives you assurance and safety, like you're safe. Right. And it kind of gives you the sense of being empowered. Like you can right. do it. You can do it. So it's a, right. it's a fist, a clenched fist uh, as a sign of power. Even, mm -hmm. even the positioning of your hand. Of course, using a finger is, is very directive, <clears throat> if you want to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could talk to people like this. Mm -hmm. Okay, I could talk to people with my palm up. Palm up. Palm up is a lot softer mm -hmm. than going like this. Yeah. Okay, so for example, if I'm talking to an audience and I start going, you guys over there, and I'm using my this gesture rather than this gesture, yeah. this gesture comes across as, as far more directive, if you want to say. Well, for people who might uh, not be watching this, right. uh, Paul is gesturing with his palm down, which right. is not a suggested or an advisable mm -hmm. use of the palm, but the palm, open palm upwards is is a receiving kind of a gesture rather than a commanding or a delegating kind of a gesture. I like to joke about that because Hitler never saluted like this. <laughs> <laughs> His salute was like that. <laughs> oh, right, right. Well, right. Fabulous. Wait, but Paul, the, uh, uh, wait uh, I need to move this further and look at it from the perspective of people who are not so immersed into the rules and the laws of communication. How, what else? So the two tips now that we've given them is number one is recognize that any data input to your senses can spark off 13 trillion synapses. One, two, because of that, because of such a huge variety of <clears throat> results, uh, start with the assumption that getting a message across will not be an easy one. So start with low expectations of the outcome, and therefore you'll have a lot of space to correct. That's the second one. And the third one you're saying is that uh, watch responses. Study the responses and analyze the responses. It's called transaction analysis. No? So what's the transactions? And then if you feel that something is out of congruence or out of alignment, describe and call out that behavior. Is that what you're recommending? Yes, absolutely. So if I see what I'm talking to you and you suddenly turn around and face east, well, right. I'm, I'm at your north, right? You know, if you can right. see this. And then you can call that out and you can ask me, Raju, what is the reason for you having made a 90 degree turn away from me? So just call out the behavior rather yes. than jump to a conclusion saying that, uh, Raju, do you not like what I'm saying? Right. right. Okay. 
So that's a very, that's a fabulous tip. I love it. It's extremely useful everywhere. You know, what's scarier is uh, sometimes, and in my case, I did it with my manager. Yeah. She wasn't my direct manager, but she was, she was, uh, uh, how do you call C-suite? And I wasn't C-suite. I was far from C-suite, but we're just having the call. I just called it out. Okay. You have to have the courage to do that. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, when I talk mm. to um, the leaders, mm. especially supervisors, new supervisors, I say, hey, look, when it comes to leadership, it's largely behavioral. It's the way you're behaving that will drive whether you're a good leader or not. Mm. But then I said, if you're the one following, you have to speak up. That's your task. You have to talk to the boss That's because cool. he, can't, he can't read your mind. Yeah. All right. Don't talk to Raj in the in the pantry and say, Raj, you know my boss is blah blah. That doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> Just talk directly yeah. to the boss. And so I I give them the words for that, how to how to do it. So uh, but at the end of the day, that, that's that's how it gets going. Now, when it comes to communication, you have to keep in mind that while I'm scanning you, they're also scanning me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so okay, they're always doing it, right? Yeah. They'll be observing what I'm saying. They'll be observing my tone. They'll be observing you know, my position and all of that. Mm -hmm. So it's a two-way street. You're being scanned and you're scanning them. <laughs> okay. right. so, so you're recommending that an upcoming leader, um, especially who seems to be in the followership position, should... Uh, call upon courage, be brave enough to speak his mind up, speak yes. up his mind and mm -hmm. ask for what he or she wants. So that kind of uh, brings attention to any elephant on the table. Right. Actually, that, that, <clears throat> uh, that 13 trillion number I got, I got it from a book I read, uh, Silent Leadership. It was from David mm -hmm. Rock. Okay, mm. he's with the Neuroleadership Institute, and yeah. he's done a ton of research behind it. And in yeah. it, it goes, you know, our brain has 13 trillion different pathways every time it receives an input. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, that's the source of that. But the conclusion I made was that means nobody will ever understand me the same way, mm. exactly the same yeah. way. There'll always yeah. be a slight tinge somewhere. Right. Right. So it's, you know, you've heard the story of the six blind men of, Hindustan, the guys <laughs> who went to see the elephant, and yeah. they had they came away with six perspectives of the elephant. Right, but you know that just uh, sample. Every time we come across a situation or a scenario, there are millions of perspectives because every angle, every three hundred and sixty degree angle is a view, is a point of view, and if you really expand that one single degree of perspective. It can open up to hundreds and thousands of problems. You're right, and uh, that's in one <clears throat> one moment. It's in one uh, encapsulated moment. But if you move on in time, those per, uh, views can change rapidly, right. as rapidly as you move forward. Right. But now, now, now. Well, what am I to do? Now I realize that uh, what I'm doing is not coming across as a leader, how do I correct the rest of my journey, rest of my competition? One of the uh, 
and this is a tip I gave actually gave to my daughter because she had to speak up to her boss. But it's also the same for the leader. If you're in a position where you have to give, or it's a sensitive position, if you want to say, and you have to communicate, the best thing to do is really just keep your hands to the sides. Try not to move, period. Even your facial expression, try to keep it as blank as possible because anything can give out the wrong the wrong right. uh, message. Right. It, 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 could, it could detour the journey yes. of your words. Yes. It's right. difficult. It is difficult, yeah. but it's something you, you have to practice. So what would be an example of something like that? <clears throat> okay, I would very... like... Would I would like a raise because of the kind of work you do? <clears throat> that kind of a statement is kind of challenging for a junior person to say. So something like that, I would like a raise without any supporting gestures, large or micro. So that was the thing. Uh, actually, call for it's. That. It's more of when you want to call out the behavior of the boss that isn't right or you're not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Okay, you just you just want to give plain feedback to the person. Right. right. I was working with a student once and their situation was a teacher had given an assignment that they didn't like and they mm-hmm. felt was out of, how do you say, it was out of the principles of the school out of the rules of the school mm-hmm. and they were afraid to call it out They're so i students. worked this yeah so i worked with somebody said you're going to call it out but when you call it out try to do it as emotionless as possible okay right, yeah <laughs> because if you so, do it with a little tinge of emotion it'll come across as being like a personal right, thing right. or whatever so just try to speak as emotionless as possible and we, and stay still right 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 even you yeah. as a speaker you know that yeah. when you want to talk about something important, you stop. Mm-hmm. Right? If you want to make a point, you're in front of a crowd of, you know, a couple hundred, couple thousand, you'll stop on the stage and hold still and then talk because it's important. Right. No, no, no. But there, there's something that you said a while ago. We spoke about how we have a thought and then we attach emotions to it right yes. away. Uh, so from the perspective of the audience to someone calling out uh, misbehavior. If I just call out the misbehavior without letting my emotions be visible, then they will not, uh, it will not spark off wrong emotions in them. Then they will hear the words per se. Correct. That, that's, uh, yeah. that's, that, that's the idea. That's the and, analysis. Right. And those of us who've raised children, oftentimes, instead of just calling out the behavior, we call out the child. Yeah. You know, yeah. I said, you know, you're lazy. I said, he's not lazy. You just forgot to return this in the cabinet. Okay. Yeah. It's two very different things. And, and, and it does happen. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you are still overcome with emotions. Yeah and you have to speak, then you will say, I am terrified, but I have to say this. Okay, so you-, you Say it. A, yeah, yeah. Okay. You, you, label, you label the emotion right. so that you kind of uh, create a disclaimer to your right. micro behavior. 
And uh, so, uh, Paul, uh, I do a lot of work around that. You know, uh, what I do is instead of saying I am ter terrified, I go, um, I sense a little bit of fear instead of me as I see okay. this. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Okay, maybe yeah. that was my eagerness. But you know, no, but it's okay. I'm sure you know this. No, but this when the thing about followership, that's how I premise it. I said, if you have to talk to your boss and you're afraid of him, you will tell him, Raj, I'm feeling afraid to talk to you now. Yeah. But I have to tell you something. Will you listen to me, yes or no? That's beautiful. That's perfect. That's perfect. I mean, as a boss, if somebody talks to you, what are you going to say? Ah, <laughs> get out of my way. I'm supposed to scare you. You're not going to say that. Come on. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So it kind of levels the playing field and then they can play ball well together. You're right. Right. This, is, this has been good, Paul, so far. I don't know. I think we have covered our 30 minutes. Yes. And uh, though we didn't talk about the nuts and bolts of nonverbal communication. I think we spoke about the science and the philosophy behind it. Right. Uh, I Absolutely. Think it is. This was amazing. So uh, people in the know and people not in the know also will uh, walk away with a lot from this conversation. And I hope I didn't take up too much of your airtime because this was exciting. This was an exciting subject for me. I'm glad it was. Okay, as you notice, uh, your title of your program is appropriate. Okay. Yes, and that usually comes with uh, making a lot of mistakes in your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, Paul. Uh, uh, in summary, would you wanna review this whole conversation and make a little three-minute speech about this? Oh, sure. Uh, I don't know if it's going to make three minutes, but communication is essential. We all know this. It's at the base of all relationships. And getting it right in reality is extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. I myself have reached the point where I assume that I'll probably miscommunicate. Mm -hmm. I've been with my wife for more than 37 years, and we still miscommunicate. It's just the way it is. The science behind it is showing you that for every single input that I receive or that you receive, you have 13 trillion different ways of processing the input. So chances of you and I getting it exactly the same is probably zero. When you, when you match that or overlay that with the study of Albert Morabian, which came out with the uh, uh, physical, yes, uh, physical, uh, <clears throat> tone and words used, if you overlap them, it's not so much the percentages that matter. What matters is congruency. There has to be an alignment between the three. If there is a misalignment, then chances of miscommunication are much higher. Now, you may challenge me on this, but physical communication still carries the most weight. And this is simply proven by you assuming a physical position of relax, or being relaxed, and you can't be angry. You cannot sound angry. You can say the angry words, but you mm -hmm. won't come across as angry because <clears throat> physically you're in a relaxed position. What does this mean? If you want to change your voice, the quickest way to change it is your physiology. That's the fastest change. way to change it. Change your physiology to change your psychology. Okay, stand yeah. up, pull your yeah. shoulders back, do something. Okay. Right. Right. Uh, when we look at those, 
-hmm. Okay, now you have to reverse it. The person is observing you, you observe the person, and since communication is two-way, if there are certain misalignments in this communication, call it out to make things clearer. Okay, right. there are ways to call it out. Uh, if the conversation has already been there for some time, you can be a little more direct and ask directly, you know, say, Raj, you look lost or you look inspired. If not, maybe you take a softer approach and say, uh, based on what I'm seeing, it seems to me that you might be might be lost. Can you tell me a little more about it rather mm -hmm. than calling it out directly? And right. of course, when you want to communicate back, as if you're talking about something sensitive as a leader, please do your best to remain still. Yeah. Okay, even your yeah. face, if you can keep that poker face, good for you. Yeah. Okay, because it will reveal something. If not, then express what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm feeling terrified at this moment. Why? Because I have to reduce my costs, which means I'm going to have to fire about 10,000 people. <laughs> I'm not saying it. <laughs> the other day, um, last week, I was going down Jupiter Avenue in Makati towards Manila, and I wanted to turn right into South Avenue. <laughs> which, is, which is an absolute right turn, a very sharp right turn. And it was a red light. So sometimes there are signs that uh, no turning right on red line, and sometimes right. there are none. Right. <clears throat> and if there are none, that means you can make a safe right turn because it's the same lane that's going and you're not going to hit into someone. And as I was about to turn right, <clears throat> a traffic cop sighted me. And he seemed to make a kind of turn around me. So I hesitated and I did not make that right turn, ending up on the pedestrian cross. <laughs> Just before that, then he walks up to me and he says, why did you stop? And it so happened that uh, my face was familiar to the cop, a cop because I uh, take that road often. And he stopped me a couple of times before on a coded day and then he's began to recognize my face. I told him in Tagalog, I said, the sight of you scared me. And so I hesitated going on the right path because, and then he goes, yeah, that's why I came to you because you hesitated, not because you did the wrong thing. <laughs> then I said, oh, what do you want to do? He said, okay, uh, I'm not going to do anything because I know you. And you're from the neighborhood, so right. that's that's about calling out behavior and expressing my own thought. I told him I got scared of you, nothing to do with the traffic <laughs> lights or my intention. No, I'm fine, it's okay. Uh, if so, you want to reach me, the quickest way is you can find me on LinkedIn. Okay, yeah. just look for Paul Angelo Lasso. I, I kind of look like myself there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a good conversation. And uh, I think there's much more to this discussion, but 30 minutes is all we can do, 30 or 40 minutes that we've done. Perhaps uh, taking up this discussion with real life examples and some images in the future for the video. Uh, publishing of this conversation might be a little more helpful. So I'm wondering if we'll be open for that someday. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. uh, we, can, we can give some examples and we could yeah. do maybe a proper video and all.
let's see what kind of feedback we get on this and then we'll yep. so maraming salamat po senior Paul Lasso wala ka naman Okay. Thank you very much for being on the Until next time, as we say in the Philippines, adios and babuha.